This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that that hymn just expressed of how, Lord, your word is so lovely, it's so needed, it's so guiding to us. And so, Lord, we do pray tonight that your word would be all those things to us and that, Lord, as we, as we look into your word, it wouldn't just be reading the Bible. It wouldn't just be learning the Bible, but it would be seeing the face of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, we're gonna continue on in the gospel according to Moses. Moses. So we're gonna continue on in this wonderful book here of the gospel according to Moses in Exodus, second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 15, and um, we're coming right from the Red Sea here now. We start in verse 22. Exodus 15, 22, 15:22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. So we got the scene now. We're coming from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Marah. Marah means bitter in Hebrew. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute, an ordinance. There he proved them and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, will do that which is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were 12 wells of water, 
three score and 10 palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Okay, so we're walking with Israel. Israel is walking with God. This is a journey with God. It's gonna last 40 years. It's just beginning now. It started, the journey started when they were back in Egypt, when on that last night in Egypt, what a night that was. It was a night of death and salvation. It was called the Passover. And the Passover was where God showed to Israel. They never could have figured this out on their own. But he showed to them that they needed blood. Every family had to have blood, the blood of a sacrifice, the blood of a lamb that was collected when the lamb was killed, all the families killed their lambs at the same time. They collected in a bowl. Can you imagine this? I mean, we're probably talking about around 750,000 lambs all being killed at the same time in Israel. All the blood is collected at the same time. Every one of those families, this is the smart ones at least, every one of those families then took the hyssop and went to their doorpost and splashed the blood on the top and on the side that they all had bloody doors. And what happened is that the angel of death came over and God said, when I see the blood, I will skip you. I will exempt you. I will pass over you. I will pass up. And that was the beginning of their journey. And so you can see that Israel, when that happened, what happened? They all took out their notepads and they said, start writing and make sure you got a lot of pages in that notepad because you're gonna need them on these 40 years here. And that lesson was, we need blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. All right, so we got the first lesson down there. That was the Passover night. That's what happened at that time. And that was illustrating salvation. And then they start on this journey. It's a journey with God. They are not alone out there in the wilderness. Every step of the way, God is with them. And that's like our life, our life with God after we're being saved. And Israel saw when they came to the Red Sea, as we have seen already, when they came to the Red Sea, first of all, God led them into a trap. He led them to the edge of the Red Sea. And if one of the other said to the other one, you know, hey, Jaime, how'd we get here? He'd say, we were led here, don't you remember? Oh yeah, they were led to being trapped. And in that position of being trapped, then they were jumping up and down and Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Okay, get your notebook out and write the second lesson. I'm to stand still and see the salvation of God when there's nothing that I can do. And then God opened up the Red Sea. The tremendous wind blew dried everything out, they walked on dry ground in the middle of the Red Sea, and they crossed over the other side, the Red Sea came down, collapsed on their enemies, destroyed their enemies, their Egyptian enemies, totally wiped them out, they stood on the shore, and Moses could not refrain himself as the dead bodies, the dead Egyptian bodies washed up on the shore, Moses sang a song called the Song of Moses, and then it's gonna be sung again in the book of Revelation. And Miriam, his sister, she couldn't refrain herself. She grabs a timbrel and she starts going around and she sings a song, the song of Miriam. So what happened at that point is that, okay, get your notebooks out, write down, God destroys our enemies. Okay, but then you can imagine what happens with the people. They're sitting there looking at the dead bodies and they're going, not bad, not bad. We are pretty important. 
we're pretty hot stuff. Look what he just did to the strongest army on the earth here. With such a God like this, we're gonna have all of our needs. So this began pride. Pride came in. And so now, throughout this whole 40 years, this is all going to be a constant humbling process. And when Moses looks back in the book of Deuteronomy, the last of his five books, and in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, Moses gives a summary statement. And now they've got a whole notebook of all kinds of lessons they've learned. And in the back, now Moses says, okay, now I want you to, as you look back over all the lessons you've learned over these 40 years, I want to now give you the take-home message, the takeaway message, the summary, and he says that in Deuteronomy 8.2 when Moses says, and thou shalt remember all the way that the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And so now they say, no, oh yeah, we gotta, let's think back on this. It's been 40 years, yeah, then 40 years. All the way, what has it been? And here's what he said. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. That's what it was all about, to humble thee. And that is the biggest problem in our lives. Pride and arrogancy is the cancer of the soul. And God is constantly humbling as he did Israel on their 40-year journey, so he's doing with us. He's constantly working on this problem of the cancer of our soul. He's humbling us. It's God's chemotherapy. So Israel was humbled when they had no bread, as we saw. And the, the crowning part of that was that God could have put that fruit on the trees. Well, let's see, we'll get an apple here and an orange here. Okay, fine, this is all my level here. But God said, no, I'm not gonna put that bread on the trees. It's going on the ground, and you're gonna have to get on your knees every day to collect that bread. And that was all about the humbling as well. That's what he said. That was his design, a very important design of the manna when he said further in Deuteronomy 8, verse 16 now, Deuteronomy 8, 16, when he said, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee. So it's this continual process. And then we saw that Israel found war with Amalek. All of a sudden, this unknown people, Amalek was attacking, and the people said, what's an Amalek? And they found out this was a continual battle that happened in the days of Moses, in the days of Joshua, in the days of Saul, in the days of Samuel in the days of David and today, only they're called Palestinians. And what they did is that, as the Palestinians trying to do now, making tunnels under the wall in Israel to come up in kindergartens in Israel to kill the children, the weakest ones, that was Amalek's history when it always was attacking from the rear the weak and the feeble who lagged behind. And so there was this continual war with Amalek and this showed to us, this was a picture of what our flesh is within us, always attacking us when we're weak, when we don't feel strong, and the flesh rises up continually against us. And so, today, I'm gonna speak on healing, but it's not what you're thinking. I'm not gonna speak on the healing of the body. Why? Because the soul is more important than the body. And the sickness of the body is only an illustration for the sickness of the soul. I mean, I'm not saying the sickness of the body is, is not important, believe me, I know. But our soul's diseases are more important than our body's diseases. And this brings us to the illustration of what he taught them, again, getting their notebooks out so they could learn at Mara in verse 22, where it says, so Moses brought Israel 
from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, Israel, it says they were wandering. Everybody says they were wandering in the desert for three, for 40 years. They weren't wandering, they were being led. They were being led by God constantly. Of course, if they were traveling, it looks like they were wandering, but they weren't, they were being led by God. Just as they were led by God to the Red Sea, Moses, under the direction of God, led the people. He brought them. He brought them from a great victory where they had such exhilaration, there was such a step as they walked, as they thought were invincible, indestructible, and God said, okay, they need humbling. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and he brought them down to a place of the wilderness of Shur. Not quite sure exactly where this is, but Shur means wall in Hebrew. So they were in a place again where they were like walled in, very similar to what happened at the Red Sea. And they were marching on for three days. And all during this time, they're drinking the last water that they have in their water skins that they brought from Egypt. So it's getting lower and lower. It's beginning to run out. And they're saying to each other, we better find some water pretty soon. We're gonna be in deep, deep trouble. And their mouths become dry and their animals start to suffer from the lack of water. And in verse 22, it's very important when it says, they found no water. Verse 22 says they found no water. What does that show you? They're looking for water, and they found no water. It reminds me when I was 15, and I was part of a group. I went to Colorado Rocky Mountain School. This was one of the places where my father sent me to try to straighten me out. I was the only Jewish kid there, and I was totally out of place because this was a place where you get whipped into shape and you climb a mountain every weekend and you have all these intensive studies and it was no place for a Jewish boy to be, believe me. And so, you know, we climbed, uh, I don't even remember the name of this terrible mountain. First mountain, it was 10,000 feet, it wasn't that tall. But when I got to the top, I said, you gotta call the helicopter for me, I can't make it back down, you know. Well, eventually I did and, you know, we eventually, we climbed Mount Castle, which was 14,250 feet, so, Robert Kennedy's signature up there, that was kind of nice. But anyway, so I know, you can't believe that. I was half the person I am now. Okay. Uh, Tom, he's hiking, never mind. So but we were hiking, hiking, hiking all during the summer there. And then for the finale, we half the group, about 200 of us, half the group, 100 and 100, we divide up into half and half. And one half came down by trucks into the Four Corners region. Anybody know where the Four Corners region is? Okay, a lot of people do. Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. Right there, there's a Navajo, Rainbow National Park, there's a Navajo reservation there, and it was summertime, and it gets really, really hot. And so the trucks came down with half the kids who were 100, and they parked at the Navajo store, the, anyway, the store there, and we came up on rafts, and we parked our rafts, and it was so very hot it was all planned out that we would both come here and come here in late afternoon and we would make the cross in the hardest part of the desert at night and we were gonna do this. We would meet each other and we would take their trucks and they would take our rafts. That was the plan. And only the thing is is that they started out in you know not so bad terrain. We started out in just like quicksand. It was sand. And we have our hiking boots on. We've been climbing mountains all summer. And we go, what is this that we can't walk? And it's starting to hurt the back of our legs. And, and all of a sudden, it gets dark and dark and dark. And it was canyoned and there was no light. And so we were supposed to do this, but we did this. And we ended up right in the middle of the hottest 
canyon desert where the temperatures were approaching 140 during the day. And one of the girls went into convulsions, almost died. And we said, why should we bring water? Because, you know, we're just going to be overnight and then we'll get there. So we didn't have any water. That was a real problem. And so it was on the news. The Civil Air Patrol was looking for us. We were down in the canyons. They couldn't see us. And it was on Huntley Brinkley. And my father was just thrilled to see that about what his son had done. And I was saying to myself, I told you no Jewish boy should be here. But anyway, so we were there. And then they said, the counselor said, okay, we're looking for some volunteers who would like to quick walk out of here and go get help. So I volunteered, and there were about seven or eight others. I know you can't believe that, but it was true. And we just started walking, you know, and walking and walking and walking. It was so hot. And we would come up to one uh, kind of like small hill, and we were expecting, now we're going to see the reservation camp, the reservation store. But no, it was just another hill. I just remember it was one hill after the other, and I thought, is this ever going to stop? And we would just go up, and then we'd go down, and we'd up, and oh, no, I can't do it, down and up, and we went up. Oh, finally, I didn't die, by the way, in case you didn't know that. But we were looking, we're looking, looking, because we needed water. That's the way it was in verse 22, when it says they found no water. And then, finally, I want you to picture this now. When they finally come up to this place where they can see, and all of a sudden they see water. They see a river, they see beautiful water. It's the water of Mara. They haven't reached it yet. What a wonderful sight that was for them. And they thought to themselves, at last, we're gonna drink and drink and drink from these waters of Mara. We're so thirsty. Can you picture that? Can you picture those people running towards that water of Mara with so much expectation, so much happiness? And can you feel the crash of verse 23 when it says they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. This great disappointment that had happened to them. We can feel this extreme disappointment as they thought that now their thirst was gonna be satisfied. What a great disappointment this was. And then they realized that this was unavoidable. It was unavoidable. Why? They were following Moses. It's not like they could have said, I told you we should have gone left instead of right back there. I told you we shouldn't have done this. No, that wasn't an option for them. There was no right and left for them. There was only following Moses who was being led by God. It was unavoidable, just like the war with Amalek was unavoidable for them. Coming to the waters of Mara was unavoidable. And, 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 and we can hear the people saying, why, why are we here? Why did we come to these poison waters? And maybe some would say, what did I do wrong to end up at Mara? And the answer is, you did nothing wrong. This was all God's teaching. Mara lay right in the path of God's leading. They did nothing wrong. They were being led by God. Just think about the waters of Mara in the case of the Lord Jesus. Very early in his ministry, in Matthew chapter four, we read in Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And maybe he would have said, well, why did this happen to me? No, he was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. The people were led of the spirit to the waters of Marah. And it says there that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was a hungry. I'd be hungry after 40, day, 40 minutes. 
But he was hungry after 40, 40 days. And then it says, the tempter came to him in the wilderness, and he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The Lord Jesus was led of the Spirit into that place, and he could have said, why have I been led here to have no bread for 40 days? And sometimes in life, we ask those questions. We ask those same questions. Why did this happen to me? Why, what did I do wrong in life? What should I have done? Why do I have this heart condition? Why do I have this cancer? And just because we have been, we come to bitter waters of Mara, bitter circumstances in life, it doesn't mean that we did anything wrong because Mara lay right in the middle of where God was leading them to, and they did nothing wrong. And we can hear Israel asking, why did God let this happen to me? Why did God, why did God let me be so disappointed to see these waters and then I can't drink from them? And when we see in verse 22 that it was God who led Israel to Mara, it was God who led them to the disappointment of not finding drinkable water, then we can come to understand that when God, when we see that God led them into this disappointment, we come to understand disappointments in life. Disappointments are God's appointments. Disappointments are God's appointments. I know you don't love to hear that. I don't love to hear it either. But this, because there's so much disappointment that awaits us in life. But God has a purpose. And God's showing Israel that he will never disappoint and Israel's got to learn. They've got their notebooks out there writing these things down. And when we look at Israel and we see this continual pattern of a high at the Red Sea and then a low at the bitter waters of Marah and then a high by seeing the waters healed, which we're going to see, and then a low of finding no bread and then a high of bread raining down from heaven and then a low of war with Amalek and then a high of seeing the battle won with Amalek. See, this is constant pattern. Like, that's life. That's the life that God was leading them into, constantly like that, constantly. An expectation, a disappointment. An expectation, a disappointment. It was continual for Israel in the 40 years. It's continual for us. And this is, how, this is what happens with us. We have such great expectations, such high hopes, Oh, this relationship is gonna be one of perfect harmony. Oh, this marriage is gonna be a never-ending romance to end all romances. Oh, the home is gonna be such a place of peace and restfulness. Oh, my job is gonna be the place where I'm gonna find absolute fulfillment in life. Oh, the diet and the exercise is gonna put me in great health. Oh, the church is gonna be perfect. Everybody, I'm gonna get along with everybody and agree with everybody. And this administration, they're gonna fix all the problems in the government. So much expectations. But it's like coming to the waters of Mara. And they came to the waters of Mara. And the relationship ends in a bitter fight. And the marriage either ends in an actual divorce or a virtual divorce where it's just two people enduring each other. And the home has become a war zone of tensions. And the job, oh, the boss at the job has made this absolutely terrible. And the health has got diabetes and health a heart disease and cancer and the perfect church is full of people, there's some people there that offend me. And the new administration, what can you say? Promises that are never kept. So this is Mara, and it represents the disappointments that happen. But the real issue here is how to handle the disappointments. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.